welcomes you to Up Close, a weekly public affairs program presented by Z1077 News. You're invited to call in with your questions and comments. Our call-in number is 366-8471. Now, your host for Up Close, Gary Danielle. Well, thank you, mystery announcer, wherever you are. And welcome to the Z1077 Up Close Show on this beautiful day after the storm. It's February 2nd, 2024. The producer of the Z1077 Up Close Show is Michelle Alley. A phone number for you to call, 760-366-8471. The Z1077 Up Close Show is available as a podcast at Z1077FM.com. And... It is a special presentation of Z1077 News presented in the public interest. Good morning, good morning. Our guest on the Z1077 Up Close Show this morning is the president of Theater 29, Charles Harvey. Charles, uh, welcome to Z1077. Good morning. Now, do I call you Charles or Charlie? Because that dep- that's up to you. It depends on who's chasing me. Ah, okay. I'll call you Charlie for now, anyway. <laughs> uh, welcome, Charlie. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. And happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Today is Charles Harvey's birthday. Yes, I'm a groundhog. Yeah, that's wonderful. And uh, So let's talk about yourself a little bit. Uh, where are you from? Where'd you, where'd, you, where'd, you, where'd you grow up? Well, I'm born and bred Southern Californian, and I've always kind of lived on the outskirts of civilization. Uh, my dad was a veteran, and he was somebody who, uh, surviving World War II in Korea, wanted to be away from people as much as possible. So we were always kind of on the edge of the uh, the mountains and the deserts of Southern California. Uh, I've lived here in the greater Coachella Valley, Morongo Va- uh, Basin area for the past 40 years. Uh, but I, that, that, that qualifies you to be a local, Charlie. Yeah, I think, I'm thinking so. Yeah. I'm thinking so. I, I know my way around. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, I live in Desert Hot Springs, which we picked many, many years ago as a location for our theater, my wife and I, uh, so that we can basically kind of work anywhere. But we've been theater actors up in the, uh, the greater Morongo Basin for the better part of 35 years. And not seeing that changing any time in the future. So uh, young, young Charles Harvey uh, grew up on the fringes of civilization. Where'd you go to a school? Where'd you go to high school? I went to high school in a little burg most people don't know about called Borrego Springs. Oh, okay. Uh, Borrego Springs, for those of you who may not be aware, is right on the very edge of San Diego County. It's kind of between the mountains and the Salton Sea. It was actually a wonderful little place to grow up. It was very small. It was kind of a little enclave where people who wanted to get away from civilization went but still could have some amenities. Uh, My graduating class was 30. Wow. So it was very tight-knit. Everybody knew everybody. Uh, and it actually was where I was introduced to theater. Uh, uh, that's what I was going to ask you. So how does a, uh, a young man growing up on the fringes of civilization at uh, Borrego Springs High School get interested in live arts? How did that happen? Well, we didn't. We were too small to have a theater department. Uh, we barely kind of had a music department. Uh, but what they did do once every four years is they had what I call, and I still consider the epitome of community theater. And what I mean by that is it wasn't just the kids doing the show, the whole community was involved. The, the hardware store would give us materials to build sets, and we would have volunteers for costuming, and everybody was a volunteer. So it's very much like what we have at Theater 29 right now as far as everybody is a volunteer, everybody gives of their time through their passion to the arts rather than through a paycheck. Uh, and it was unique. I got to do two shows in my uh, my high school career, and that was kind of the launch of it. And What was your first show? Oliver. Okay. Was the very first show I ever did. I was in the ensemble. I was just this big kid who they got to play as somewhat of an adult because I was a big kid. <laughs> Uh, and my senior year, we did The Wizard of Oz, and I was the Tin Man. Oh, fun. And that was the first time I actually sang a solo in public. Okay. Well, you have a, a very powerful and beautiful voice, so there must have been some training after your first public solo. Uh, yeah, well, college. Yeah. <laughs> college definitely did that. I, uh, I, went into, I, I studied at uh, College of the Desert. Uh, and my first vocal training was actually through uh, the late Darlene Romano, who was a, a master when it came to vocal 
vocal technique, vocal training, a great musical director. Uh, she kind of was the epitome of if you want to be in music, she's the one you study with. So very active in in, uh, in in live theater, went to College of the Desert, and then you kind of branched out, started working with the local community theaters down in the low desert? Yes. Uh, my first show in the community theater vein out here was with the uh, the venerated Valley Players Guild, which unfortunately no longer exists, but it was one of the first companies in the Coachella Valley to do live theater uh, and that was something that also was kind of a, an education as far as a community theater bent. It was a very small theater. For those who may know the Palm Springs area, the, our, the first theater there was now the Palm Springs Boxing Club, right by the airport. Okay. Uh, was a tiny space. <laughs> you, uh, you could step on yourself if you weren't careful. Uh, but got to work with some uh, people who were up and coming in the profession, those who maybe had retired from being a professional actor and were able to bring those skills over and teach us in the next generation. Uh, and then once uh, once opportunities kind of sprang from that, of course, the College of the Desert, as it still does, has a, a very vivacious uh, arts program. Did a number of shows at the McCallum Theater through College of the Desert. Uh, which if you ever get a chance to work in the McCallum, do. It is a wonderful space. Uh, it really feel, makes you feel like a star, even if you're in the basement. <laughs> I felt like that in Barstow. Oh, Barstow is an awesome space yeah, as well. That the Barstow Community Theater is, uh, is stunning. Yes. You wouldn't think in Barstow they'd have that facility. But, but no, it, it, it would... Yeah. Um, it's along the lines of a McCallum as far as its capacity yeah. and what it can do for you. Uh, and, yeah, you wouldn't expect it to be there. And somewhere in, in, in that uh, transformation of Charles Harvey going to COD, starting to work in community theater, you went into directing. Uh, you, you, you kind of moved up in the career. What was the first show you directed and where? Well, my first directorial debut, as it were, was with uh, – High Desert Playhouse. And uh, it was a show that was called Solid Gold Cadillac. It was a show I actually had done at Valley Players Guild as an actor. Uh, and so it seemed like a good show to kind of uh, get your feet wet in the acting vein. It went very, very well. Um, I had in my cast like uh, the late Alice Wytock, which was a bit of a legend up here as an actress. I worked uh, with Alice. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman, yeah. And so it was something that uh, was a lot of fun and got very positive uh, review of. And so it just kind of sprang from there. And once you kind of get in that vein, there's other projects that leap to mind that you want to try next. And how long ago was that, uh, Solid Gold Cadillac? Oh, that's a good 25, 28 years ago. Okay. And, uh, and then you started doing more, more directing from there? Yes. Uh, and I've, I did probably about half a dozen there uh, when Theater 29 in the Calvaries actually had started that organization uh, we saw that they were having a need for directors because they were starting from zero. Uh, it was just a group of parents that were concerned that they were not getting arts education through the schools at that time so they found a solution which became Theater 29. And that was in 1999 when that started. So, so uh I did my first show at uh, Theater 29 in 2005, and that was when I did Jesus Christ Superstar. And that was quite a production. Describe, I mean, I, it's still one of the top produced productions in the history of Theater 29. Tell us, tell, describe it. Uh, it, it was better for uh, you than me. For yeah. those of you out here who maybe have been at Theater 29, uh, this was in the days when we didn't have what we called the leg, which basically is the stage that we have to the to the left, the extension, uh, which is kind of a thrust stage. Yeah. It was purely just the main stage area, and we didn't have our risers at that time. It was all floor seating, and we didn't have air conditioning. And <laughs> horrible floor seating. They had pl plastic folding chairs, white plastic folding chairs that were so uncomfortable. We would actually hand out pads to people yes yeah and they were grateful yeah <laughs> we still have those pads somewhere yeah. uh but uh yeah that was an opportunity where uh we did some things that had never been done there before i had uh built out these um 
ramps that went basically almost all the way around the stage so it gave multiple levels to the actors to sing and dance and swing from and uh we just we painted the walls we graffitied it i mean we we treated it badly but we took care of it afterwards but it really kind of it was an immersive tech uh experience and our audiences sold out we had to add shows uh and people it was standing room only and that was quite a a heady combination of saying hey this might be my new home and so, so it has been now was that the show you had we put scaffolding around the walls yes yeah and what giant tvs mounted we, on yeah we, we had uh, I mean, every tv the, i could scratch. the whole picture here charlie the whole picture <laughs> we, yeah we we had audio video elements to this uh we again we pushed the envelope in every way the envelope could be pushed and uh, I remember I saw the show. I remember Steve Tharp played the, the Jesus character. Yes. And I, I uh, Michael Barrero was our I, Judas. Uh, I told Steve it was typecasting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the interesting thing is he was actually going for Judas, so he was kind of he was shocked when I gave him the Jesus character. <laughs> uh, but he did a one. Everybody did a wonderful job with that. And it just it was it was an opportunity. They let me go with it. Uh, there wasn't a lot of behind the scenes going. No, you can't do that. No, we can't do that. It's like, you know, go for it. And I think that's something that we've been able to carry through in the years since with a lot of different productions. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with Charles Harvey, the president of Theater 29. Our phone number, if you'd like to call and talk to Charlie, 760-366-8471. We'll be right back with more up close right after these brief messages. This is Cody Joseph from The Morning Show with Cody and Jeff. Sue's Health Foods is a regular stop for me. I can get staples there that I can't find at the grocery store. Everything from booch to nooch, as Jeff likes to say. Cashews in bulk, miso paste, local honey, and sweet treats for my kids. They really like the fruit chews from the bulk bins. The bulk bins are probably our favorite part of the store, and the employees are always so friendly and helpful. We couldn't make half the recipes we love without the ingredients we get from Sue's. My family has been shopping there for years, and the quality and care we have gotten has always been top-notch. I love going there, and I love supporting a local business that has given so much to our community for so many years. Sue's And we are back with the Z1077 Up Close Show. I'm Gary Danielle. Our host, the producer, is Michelle Alley. And our phone number for you to call and participate is 760-366-8471. Our guest in studio today is Charles Harvey, the president of Theater 29. Again, uh, Charlie, uh, thanks for coming, and we do appreciate it. So, oh, my pleasure. So we're talking about uh, your first experience at Theater 29 back in 2005, which was what, 19 years ago? That sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. And a uh, little reminder, Charlie uh, sort of transformed that entire theater. I mean, there was <laughs> no stone left unturned. That is true. <laughs> uh, we uh, I, Basically, I had a group of kids. Uh, I should kid kids. They were in their late teens, early 20s. And so I basically just kind of let them go with spray paint and said, tag the place. And they did. Uh, all within context, uh, and so it, but it really transformed the space uh, to have this kind of uh, post, almost a post-apocalyptic kind of a world, uh, which really kind of helped fulfill the rest of the vision, uh, and it allowed the the actors themselves to be a much larger part of the overall view, not just their role. So there was greater. Uh, greater buy-in, I think, with them. Uh, and, of course, right afterwards, part of our strike was repainting the theater. 
<laughs> so we didn't have the tag marks, though some of them still crept through in the years that, that followed. <laughs> they they kind of ooze out every once in a while. So yes, yeah. Uh, so Charles, uh, Charlie, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, your first show at Theater Twenty Nine, but you were still doing things in the low desert. Uh, give us an idea of, of some of the things you were doing uh, in some of the theaters down there. I want to talk about some of the other venues. Well, I, you know, it's because because of where I lived, it was uh, opening it up to if an opportunity for me. And I, I kind of stress that because I'm not your typical leading man type of person. I'm, I've always considered myself a bit of a journeyman actor, uh, meaning that I fill in the blanks. I'm not. I'm a big guy. I'm six foot eight, and I have a little girt to myself, so I'm uh, not going to gonna necessarily be uh, the person that you first consider as a romantic lead. The first time I met Charlie, I literally brought a folding chair over and stood on it to to have a, our first conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the joke is that I'm nine foot two. Yeah, uh, well, that's but, an exaggeration. It's only nine foot one. So, so with that. That sometimes can be a detriment for an actor, but it also can open up opportunities depending on what else you bring to bear. Um, I have worked with Palm Canyon Theater. I actually just finished a show with Desert Theater Works in Indio, where we, we did we did uh, a show that I didn't know existed until this particular G- Gilligan's production. Island. Gilligan's Island, I, yeah. the musical. And Charlie was the skipper. I was the skipper. Yeah. How did th- how did that go? That actually went very, very well. Uh, <laughs> we had great audiences. Uh, they tended to skew a bit older, but I think that theater tends to. Uh, it's very close to a number of now, which, Sun City. Which, which theater is that again? Uh, that was Desert Theater. Desert works theater in works. Indio, yeah, yeah. I've been there. But uh, yeah, but everybody really enjoyed the show. It was it, it was a pure nostalgia kind of a thing. Uh, so if you were a fan of the show, either in its first run or in the limitless syndication uh you knew the characters it wasn't requiring much of you other than to laugh at the silliness of it uh which they did <laughs> so that was that was an important thing but the people that we work with there are are lovely to do and what i find is uh particularly though i do a lot of my work with theater 29 now over the years but i want to break out and work in other places if for no other reason to refresh how other people do the art uh, just because I do something and have been doing the same thing for many, many years doesn't necessarily mean it's the only way. Uh, being able to see how staging gets done, how lighting happens, uh, different ways of directing, uh, different ways of considering a character that you're not necessarily being handheld to get to. Uh, you know, that's it's it's an education, and sometimes if the experience isn't as good as you would like, it also is a bit of a lesson can be a, a reality check. Yes. Yeah. That maybe, oh, maybe I'm not off the path in what I do. <laughs> so, uh, but also it, it broadens your, your network of people that you work with. Uh, the arts community in the greater desert area uh, is very diverse. It's very rich. Uh, but you do see a lot of the same actors in different venues because they're doing the same thing. When the right project comes along that they see themselves in they want to be a part of it now by and large the theaters in the lower desert are are mostly non-profit correct yeah but some of them do pay a stipend to actors you know a little gas money and some groceries every once in a while but yes yeah yeah some do pay uh, gas stipends others are equity theaters such as uh Coachella valley repertory in cathedral city um and they're bringing in a different class of actor. Usually they're hiring equity, which are professional stage right. actors, part yeah. of the union. Yeah. Uh, and that also, if you get an opportunity to work in that environment, it does give you a few more tools as well. And that's called Desert Valley Repertory, you said? Uh, Coachella Valley. Coachella Valley Repertory. Okay. Or CV Rep, as most people know about ah, it. Ah, okay. See, I've seen CV Rep and never knew what it meant. So. Yeah, they're in the old IMAX theater in yeah. Cathedral City, but they've transformed it into truly a professional stage. Yeah, I've worked in in, in repertory companies, and it, it's a lot of work. You just, yes, you're rehearsing all day and on on stage all night. It's pretty much because that is your job. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> Whereas you know, all of us up here, we're we're working a regular job, and then we're going to rehearsal, uh, which you know, in a lot of ways is a better way of of doing it so far as commitment. Uh, The actors who are getting themselves into that, they then realize, hey, 
I'm going to be missing my spouse and my kids for a while because I'm going from work to the rehearsal and I'm getting home and I'm going to sleep <laughs> for a good seven, eight weeks. Let's, let's loop back to the, to the low desert because the opportunities are there. And people who really, uh, are really interested in live theater, there's, there's, there is actually, there's a lot going on. Now, here in the Morongo Basin, we have Theater 29. Uh, Gross Theater just had to close, which was a shame. Yes, because they they after they, a they had forty years. They had twenty three seats. Yes, so they were probably one of the most unique theater spaces yeah. anywhere. But they, because of that, they could do some edgy theater, some experimental theater. They had a oh, lot of original yes. playwrights. They, I mean, Groves Community Theater had a, a great reputation within the theater community for high-quality presentations with 23 seats. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, they, yeah. they absolutely did. It was, it was a bit of a shame, I think, unfortunately, like many other companies, it was a victim of the pandemic. Uh, a lot of companies just did not have the resources or the capacity of being able to hold on until we could open up again. Uh, and so I think they as much fell into that as anybody else did. But that is a great shame. Uh, we all loved Groves because it was such a unique space you weren't getting anywhere else. Now, Yucca Valley for a while had the St. Joseph's Players at St. Joseph's Church. And yes. that uh, eventually ran its course also. It did. Um, and I know that... Um, Rebecca Havely, who had been in charge of that particular organization, uh, it had gone very, very well. Yeah, they but, did some great, great shows. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they did a, a few good men, Kitchen Witches, uh, a couple different things. Uh, Steel Magnolias. Yeah. Yeah. So it was one of those things, I think, that when you don't have your own space, you are kind of limited to the space you're using, and sometimes they have different needs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, than, than you do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, it is a shame that the that the Yucca Valley city town area doesn't have a a standing community theater organization. Yeah. Um, although Theater Twenty Nine at times does help out in that area if the high school is doing something or uh, something. yes, uh, we have tried to uh, be involved whenever the high schools need us. Uh, we do. I very heavily believe in the arts education for our youth, um, not only just for our talent, but also building audiences. We've been we, we've often joked here that the the town of Yucca Valley should purchase the old Cinema Six and uh, make it a performing arts space. Yes, uh, I I did talk to some of the town of Yucca Valley. They are not looking at buying the. The theaters, uh, apparently they're in pretty bad shape and mm. will cost almost as much to fix as to buy. Uh, but that's, that's, that's for your real estate agent. Uh, but they are looking at, at possibly another facility, and they are interested in, in performing arts. So That would be interesting. Okay. So, I, I, I'm of the feeling that you can never have too much. Yeah, and the High Desert Playhouse in Joshua Tree has never fully recovered uh, from when they had uh, fr freezing pipes in their roof, which caused some tremendous damage there. But they have they do some stuff in their black box theater in the in, in yes, their, well, it used we, to be the rehearsal area. So. Yeah, I, I believe that they've they've kind of transformed that area into a performance space. I know that the Philhar the Junior Philharmonic uh, does their shows there, and they also do have that as a venue for other acts that come in and about. Uh, but not as active as they were historically, where they were producing organization, putting on plays, and I think I think yeah. that also was a result of the pandemic. Yeah, the, uh, there were. I can tell you in the greater area. Well, not just Coachella Valley area. This was something that was pandemic or endemic to the whole country. That uh, a lot of arts arts organizations did not recover. Uh, you can't really go two years without any income coming in, no matter what kind of grants you may get here or there through a government agency, and expect to be able to come back vibrant. Yeah. It, uh, Theater 29 closed for 19 months. Yep. But when that happened, Charlie, you were a representative of Theater 29, but you were working with all the, low all the high and low deserts came together and formed something called AODT? It was the Alliance of Desert Theaters. Okay, and and they would all get together so there was similar COVID policies. Tell us about that process. Uh, well, AODT was something that started off, as so many things did, as a Zoom call between 
most all of the low desert uh, theater owners and board presidents and and you know the heads of those organizations because they were in the same situation many of them being equity so there were different equity rules of when we could start back up uh, what the masking policies were what uh, immunization policies might be in place, how you can produce shows. It was very, very specific about things, but it was a moving target, as we've all learned, because we were learning as we were doing. And they kept changing the rules. Uh, because yeah. new things would pop up. Now, <laughs> now, because the theaters all wanted to have similar policies, you didn't want someone to go to one theater and go, well, this, you know, where they required you to mask up, and you go to another theater where they don't, and right. That, so they wanted to be it to be consistent. Right. And, and also, in a lot of our areas, we do have to bear in mind that a large, large part of our consistent audiences tend to be older. Uh, we are working to try to change that because, hey, young folks, there is stuff for you on our, in, on our stages. Uh, but in reality, we have to bear that in mind. And so we still, to this day, we have older audiences that come into shows fully masked for their own protection. And that's obviously their right. They know what their health situation yeah. is uh, to take care of that. And But nobody's being forced to do anything. It's basically go with your conscience. How did the COVID-19 pandemic affect Theater 29 specifically? Well, for Theater 29, we were in, in the beginning of our season. Uh, in 2020. And we had just finished, I believe it was Sister Act, uh, very successfully. And we were just trying to get re get ready for the next show. The Lion, and the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I believe was that. Yes, show. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was already deep into their rehearsal period uh, when the shutdown was what ordered. And so shutdown we did. For two weeks, and that was that was an order by the state. That was yes. not, That was not. Yeah, there wasn't an deciding. option of doing otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that two weeks grew as we all have lived, uh, and so we got to a point where we knew, okay, this is not going to be resolved quickly. Uh, and you know, we're all dealing with our own lives, our own health, our own jobs, uh, our families, all of that in the mix too. So. We just kind of were unceremoniously shut down, as so many as everybody else was. Uh, but our board kept active, and I think that was a lot of the key of why we're still here. Is that our board stayed together? We we contacted through Zoom. We had Zoom board meetings of what is happening right now. What are the state guidances coming through? What money's out there to keep kind of you know keep the lights on? Uh, the partnership with the city of Twenty Nine Palms, of course, was invaluable as it as it continues to be in our success and our very existence. The city has been very supportive of that. I'll, I'll loop back to that a little bit. So, uh, so during the COVID nineteen period, the theater was shut for nineteen months, uh, but your board stayed active. Uh, what what were they doing? Well, it was because normally it's producing plays. Well, of course, yeah. uh, we you know the Theater Twenty Nine is a managing board, uh, which could be different than an advisory board, which is really more high level. We're looking at to the future of what we're doing here and there, but it, but basically they have somebody on the ground running it. The board at Twenty Nine Palms is the one running the organization day to day. So uh, talk. T so each of the board. People have particular things. How does that work? How does a how does a managing board work? How do they get their how do they get their hands dirty? Each board member has an area of responsibility, and there are so many that most people who ever go darken a door of a theater never see. Uh, and so those people, and we try, and, and it's tried to be uh, assigned according to your skill set. Can you give us an example of some of these areas of responsibility? Uh, for instance, we have one that is basically the general plant, which is basically the buildings of the theater. And it's not just the main theater building, but also we have storage buildings out in the back that can handle our set pieces, our furniture, everything that ends up being on a stage is kind of stored there. Uh, we have publicity. We have... Uh, our volunteers, we have a volunteer coordinator who is the one who basically is making sure that we have people for box office and for concessions uh, and any other area we need to fill in people. Uh, nowadays, we have a fundraising committee, which basically is dealing much more with how do we keep money coming in besides through ticket sales, uh, which 
for any arts organization anywhere in the world, that becomes a extremely valuable thing because tickets alone don't keep the doors open anywhere. Uh, you need to have other funding to kind of make sure that you can buy that light, and your you can, infra- and your infrastructure is and that your ongoing, infrastructure so, stays yeah. solid. Yeah. Uh, uh, so during the pandemic, what, what our discussions went less from what the next show was because there wasn't a next show, and much more about uh, making sure that we're staying legal to state guidelines as far as COVID was concerned, as far as what what new programs were out there offered by the state or the feds in order to have us uh, have money to. Uh, pay for the things that are going to be charged no matter what. Uh, we always have utilities. We always have insurance costs, uh, you know, all those things. And also planning for when we finally got the red light to start up again, how we were going to do it. It was very measured, uh, very much through CDC guidance and the state's guidance of how we could do that. Uh, and I think we were very successful in being able to to get open and to stay open to where we are now. Uh, And I know that Theater 29 was able to get a grant from the state, which paid the infrastructure cost for the time it was closed. So while while there was no production being done, you still had those ongoing costs, uh, primarily utilities and, you know, this, uh, ongoing yes. co- insurance. Uh, you know, you, you have to stay insured. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. you, you don't want to lose insurance because getting it back, as any of you who have ever dealt with that with your house, yeah. uh, <laughs> that can be uh, a real bear. So, uh, yes, th- those were all expenses that were still going to be going on. And we did actually dip our toe into virtual programming. That's, oh yeah, talk let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, so we online, uh, we did online production. Yeah. We did. Uh, uh, Scott Clinkscales, who uh, had directed a show that was the first time we had ever staged one v- completely uh, virtual. It was streamed. Uh, it was streamed through a service, and basically, it was something you bought tickets to and were able to view on your t- your smart TV or your uh, your device. So the and actors was, performed on the stage. The actors but performed that was streamed. Okay, they performed and they masked. were filmed and they okay. were able to be kept separate, so that you could be as safe as you reasonably could be and still have something brand new going on. We did an improv show, much the same way as a virtual uh, streaming thing. Many theaters were trying that because, frankly, we were desperate to get back on a stage, and our audiences were hungering for something new that because they had already run through Netflix, so. <laughs> Uh, it was something that we could possibly look at in future, uh, hoping we don't have to face that situation ever again. But it was a new avenue of maybe reaching people who aren't comfortable going out. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, there were people who just hunkered down and 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 waited, and and that was their choice. And oh yeah, and absolutely. You have to respect that. I want to come back to something you talked about—a fundraising committee. Uh, you have a special fundraising event coming up at Theater Twenty Nine this Saturday. We do karaoke for a cause. It is the first time we have ever attempted a karaoke event where you get to be the star rather than us. So. Uh, it's uh, one of those opportunities. It is a judged competition, so there are prizes involved. Uh, there's going to be nachos and popcorn and, you know, uh, things we don't normally have in our snack bar. So basically, we're kind of opening up brand new avenues there. It's going to be a fun event. As with any kind of a karaoke thing, it doesn't matter if you sing or not. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things, if you're not comfortable singing, but you like to see other people, come on over. I, I, I have I've been to karaoke's where... Alcohol is heavily involved, but it won't be for this particular one. It won't one. be for this one. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, and Sandy Smith, who's the executive director of the Copper Mountain College Foundation, has agreed to be the volunteer MC. So she'll be yes. running the karaoke. So. so Sandy Smith will be on the mic there. And uh, we already I've already been seeing online that there are some challenges being put out there from different community members who are excited about the opportunity. So if you want to get your tickets, they're available at theater29.org. Just go for karaoke for a cause. Uh, It'll be a great time. And if you want to be a judge, basically it's an extra 20 bucks. <laughs> and all of this is going to benefit Theater 29. So you don't, you don't have qualifications, you have to have money. It's a fundraiser. You just have to have an opinion. Yeah. That's pretty much 
Everybody has that. Everybody has one of those, yeah. <laughs> hey, on that note, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be back with more with Charles Harvey, the president of Theater 29, here on the Z1077 Up Close Show after these brief messages. It's flu season. According to the CDC, respiratory viruses such as COVID and influenza are expected to surge this winter. These illnesses can be very serious, especially among those at higher risk for severe illness, such as older adults, infants and young children, pregnant people, and those with a weakened immune system. Immunizations protect you from the worst of COVID and flu. Don't wait. Get your updated vaccines today. Morongo Basin Community Health Center, a program of Morongo Basin Healthcare District. Get your taste buds ready. Chicken Parm just got an upgrade. The new Chicken Parmesan Meatball Sub from Firehouse Subs is made with savory chicken meatballs in a bright marinara sauce. Topped with shaved Parmesan, melted provolone, and crispy Italian seasoned breadcrumbs served on a toasted garlic bread roll. Try the new Chicken Parmesan Meatball Sub for a limited time only at Firehouse Subs. Home Depot Center, Yucca Valley. Order online or on the app today. Participating U.S. locations. And we are back with the Z1077 Up Close Show. It's 1042. Our guest in studio today is Charles Harvey, the president of Theater 29. And today we'll refer to him as Birthday Boy. So happy birthday, <laughs> Charles. A remarkable coincidence. So uh, we talk about the, uh, the fundraising that you're doing with the karaoke for a cause. What is the primary need right now at Theater 29? Where's that, where's that money going to go? Uh, our primary need definitely is lighting. Um, as with any organization that started off basically at zero, as the year 29 did, you work a lot on, can I get my hands on used lighting? Because we have to illuminate our actors somehow. And over the years, we've collected a, an unusual assortment of lights, anywhere ranging from, oh, f 20 to 40 years old. <laughs> and... While they've done very well for us, our light board is at least 20 years old, and it probably, I believe it was used when we got it. Yeah, I believe it was used when Theater 29 acquired it, yeah. And so there's no telling how old it really is. And we've, been li we've, we've learned in recent years that uh, trying to add in like LED lighting, which is pretty much the, the standard when it comes to lighting in theaters nowadays, that it's too old to take the input. So we have flashing issues. We have different kinds of things that are not conducive to the smooth running of a show. Uh, not to mention the energy usage. Uh, it does spike the electricity bill quite a bit when you've got 1,000-watt uh, uh, cans there and 500-watt cans uh, that is all taking care of all of your lighting. So that in and of itself is probably the biggest single issue that we're dealing with right now and part of where the fundraising focus is, is trying to get all of our lighting, the light board, our electricity to it, the lighting cans themselves, all of that upgraded uh, and give us some greater facility, not only just to put some light here, but being able to change colors on, on a moment's notice, being able to have moving lights, uh, different things, particularly newer shows really are enhanced by that kind of technology we don't currently possess. So uh, the, the funds you're raising are to upgrade the, upgrade the, the infrastructure to, to, yes. to, to modern standards. Because it isn't just a matter of, oh, we'll just get brand new lamps. Uh, it is changing the board, which is not a cheap consideration. Those usually run in the five figures easily uh, because they're all electronic. And even those that are being run off of a laptop or an iPad, which is definitely part of the technology available now, there's still infrastructure you have to have, you have to purchase that's not cheap to get that accommodated as well. And part of what we're looking at right now, beyond just the fundraising to have money to accomplish it, is what system would work best for our venue and our future growth. Uh, the So so they get the karaoke for a cause. Yes. Now, I want to talk about some other things at Theater 29. You also have an Im a resident improv troupe. Tell us about... We do. Tell us about improv and tell us about the troupe. Uh, well, improv, for those of you who maybe have never gone to that, if you've ever seen the show Whose Line Is It Anyway, that is improvisation. Improvisation is basically a form of theater in which there is no script. You are making it up on the spot. 
there are different rules that go to it as far as uh, rules such as never say no. When your partner is giving you a suggestion, you go for it no matter how ridiculous it is. Usually the more ridiculous, the better. Uh, and improv is not just comedy. Uh, there is long-form improv <clears throat> that we've had some companies out here actually accomplish. There was something that was done last year at Groves before it closed, which was a long-form improv uh, that was, uh, I'm trying to remember which show it was now. I believe it was Now We're in Bedford Falls. Uh, and that was basically, there was no script to it. it. Basically, you knew the general characterizations, but that was all you had to work with. And you had to go from there and make up a scene and be contiguous with it with your other players, which requires a lot of active listening and being, you can't fade out. You have to be on the job the whole time uh, to make sure that it's entertaining and that it makes some sort of sense. So someone who wants to be a well-rounded performer, maybe has been in some shows, uh, what does improv do to, to, to round that out? Improv, it allows you to be present because it requires it. You have to be there. It's not, and a lot of folks who maybe are getting into acting for the very first time, may think, oh, I'm just dressing up in a costume, and if I'm in the ensemble, I'm just kind of standing in the corner. <laughs> and no, that really isn't it. You've got to, you should, if you are a well-rounded actor, even if you have no lines, you should know who you are. What's your name? Why are you there? What is your importance to the scene? Uh, having that kind of a background, A, it makes it more fun for you as a performer, you're not just filling space, but also it gives you a backstory that maybe a lot of acting can be physical acting. It's how you stand. It's how you walk. It's how you interact with somebody else, even if no words are being stated. Uh, I, some of the better performances I've ever seen have been from actors who had very few lines, but they drew your attention, not by trying to steal attention or mugging, but by... You knew who they were. They were interesting to watch. And you didn't know what they were going to do next, but it was totally in character. Yeah, it's a, a well-rounded ensemble. Uh, you can tell when, when people know who they are, even, even though it's just a, a person in a crowd scene. Oh, very yeah. much so. Because yeah. you can also tell when somebody completely phases out. So you have the uh, the improv troupe. Now, we talked about karaoke for a cause, but the, your improv troupe is also doing a valentine-based show in we february are. yeah it is called love is a funny thing isn't it just and it is going to be on saturday february 17th at seven and it is uh if any of you, for any of you out there in the audience have gone to one of our improv shows you know it is a lot of fun a lot of silliness uh is kind of a pg-13 show so uh this will be up for the teenagers uh We'll get a little bit, um, we'll have a little bit of fun. We won't be raunchy, but uh, we will have maybe, some. Maybe a little uh, naughty. We'll be a little naughty because yeah, it is yeah. Valentine's Day after yeah, all. Yeah. It's a great date night kind of an activity. Uh, we take things from our audience. We get suggestions from them on what we're going to play. You never know what's going to happen truly uh, with the core group that we've got here. Uh, Jesse Worstel, Graham Cooley, uh, myself, and... Uh, Benjamin Bees, you get you get that group together. Anything is possible and probably will happen. Uh, Kurt Schopner, uh, and we have a, a new player who also is going to be on board with that as well. Her name is Emily, uh, that I actually haven't had a chance to work with yet. So I'm looking kind of looking forward to that. Uh, so they're going to be there, kind of representing the next main stage show on the docket, which is something we always try to include. But he is a skilled improver of himself he uh has done it for many many years uh so it's going to be a lot of fun and i encourage you all to come and that's fill up the place that's coming up february 17th february 17th so you have your uh karaoke on the third your improv on the 17th and then your troupe is working on a main stage production What's coming up next? Well, the main stage production is Man of La Mancha. And that is going to be pretty much running the month of March, the 1st through the 17th. And that is for those of you who have uh, 
forgotten high school literature. Uh, it is the the tale of Don Quixote de la Mancha. Uh, it is a seventeenth. It's based on a seventeenth century uh, novel about a wayward knight in Spain during the Spanish Inquisition, and he and his trusted sidekick Sancho. Uh, fight dragons which are windmills and he falls hopelessly in love with Aldonza who is a bit of a tavern wench <clears throat> but his the whole thing is it's an impossible dream he holds himself to an ideal uh, that the world around him doesn't recognize the the ideals of chivalry uh, it's a wonderful, it is a multi-Tony award-winning show, a classic. Uh, and Theater 29 has brought in some some outside talent for the sets. Andrea Keller, who's an architect, uh, designed the set. Yes, and it's, yeah. it's something you've not seen before, folks. Yeah. So this yeah. is, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a terrific set. The setting will take you right into that world. Kevin Madry is painting it, the, uh, and Clark Hunter is doing the mechanics for special effects, who's a production designer in Hollywood. So you've got some... So these are people just moved into the community and said, hey, I want to help. Now, if I just moved into the community and I wanted to help, how would I get involved at Theater 29? Well, there's many different ways you can do that. Uh, first of all, we have a, um, a volunteer sign-up sheet that is available on our website, uh, and that is... Uh, it's available on our volunteer page at theater29.org. And if you look at the top bar, there is a volunteer tab there. And there is a form that can basically let us know, hey, you're interested and in what vein. Because everybody has different skills. And so if you're a set builder or a somebody who's interested in lighting or sound or making costumes or, or uh, properties or you just want to be able to uh, get involved but you don't know where you fit. Uh, we always have need for ushers, concessionaires in our concession area and box office. There, and also, you know, there's going to be some other opportunities to be out in the community uh, because there's lots of service organizations and uh, different events happening that we as a board can't always attend. So we're hoping to, in this next year, be able to set up a bit of a street team uh, for folks that basically maybe don't have the time or inclination to be on stage or don't have a don't feel they have a skill set for any of the physical stuff we need, but they're great at talking to people. We have a need for that as well. So we're hoping to have that kind of an opportunity for the go-getters out there who love to glad hand and meet with people. We're going to be back with more of the Up Close Show with President of Theater 29, Charles Harvey, after these brief messages. A trip to the pharmacy should be easy. That's why so many people choose a local community pharmacy instead of a big chain, like Star Pharmacy in Joshua Tree. It's easy to get in and get out with your medications, and they offer one-on-one -on -one health-related advice. They get to know their customers and can help manage medications and check for any interactions. Star Pharmacy offers a wide range of over-the-counter supplements, plus durable medical equipment like walkers and wheelchairs. Star Pharmacy, Holly Road, across from the post office, Joshua Tree. The Palm Springs Animal Shelter is bursting with lots of furry friends, almost too many for them to hold. Please join in a race against time to find forever homes for animals who urgently need your love. Come to the Find Your Love Adoption event, February 10th and 11th. All adoption fees are graciously covered by their friends at Booze Hounds. Let a wagging tail or a soothing purr complete your family and find your love, February 10th and 11th. Details at psanimalshelter.org. And we are back with the Z1077 Up Close Show 1054 in the Morongo Basin. I'm Gary Danio, and you are listening to the Z1077 Up Close Show with our special guest today, Charles Harvey, the president of Theater 29. So we talked about your improv troupe. Uh, we talked about uh, your volunteer opportunities. Uh, and Theater 29 is offering instruction to people who are interested in auditioning you have some audition training with julia boyd that you had done uh yes we um we have a, a brand new 
uh, training class. It's called the Weekly Theater Workout, and that is something that's going on every Saturday with Julia Boyd, who is a, a local girl who made good in Hollywood. She is a working sag after actress, uh, and she is graciously wanting to give back to the community that she learned the arts from. So uh, she is doing this particular uh class situation and basically it is open to anybody any skill level you do not have to be a brand you don't you don't have to be a, a veteran but veterans would have something useful from this because what it is it's it's much more about uh how to put different kinds of acting theories in, in, pl- in practice uh, it is something that's hands-on you're you're kind of given some scene work of how to uh how to play a scene, different tricks you can use to accommodate that. Uh, and it's about, it's, it's $25 a session and you can go on our website and it is just under weekly theater workout. Uh, and you can register for one, you can even register for the first class and audit it for free. And that's all at theater29.com. Theater29.org. A theater with an R, uh, thank you, dot org. Theater with an R-E. By the way, I've often asked, uh, why does Theater 29 use the English spelling of theater? Well, that's not. Theater with an R-E is the art. Theater with an E-R is the building. Yes. So we are practicing the art of theater in yes. a theater, ER. So that that's the difference for that. Um, what, what's the future look like for Theater 29, Charles? I think the theater looks very bright. Uh, I think at, uh, our audiences in large part have come back. They realize the value that we offer. We're getting new audiences. We've had a lot of people move into the Morongo Basin since the pandemic. Uh, and they are used to having arts areas available to them on every street corner so they're discovering us uh it's amazing we're going into our 25th year and we still have a lot of folks that don't know we exist yeah yeah. uh which is always kind of stymieing to me but uh we're hoping through increased engagement in our communities that we can say hey we're here and we have something for you uh and we're going to where we're in the process right now we just released our press release for our next season submissions so any of you who have directed in the past or have an interest in possibly directing or having a show put on our stage check it out all the details are on the website as well i try to keep everything right there and and we're running short on time but i want you to tell us about the children's theater program that theater 29 does probably one of the most important programs we do is our summer youth theater program we just announced the details on that it happens every summer and it is for kids aged 7 to 17 and uh it is an opportunity for them to learn the art of theater from the ground floor auditioning through production and they all have a blast and if you've never seen them do it uh in, in production you have missed something it's a great opportunity and, and it's the, something we take great pride in and again going back to the community of community theater uh due to the city of 29 palms the 29 palms of rotary club the 29 palms kiwanis club and individuals the entry fees for the children's program kept very very low 60 dollars for five weeks you yeah. can't beat that anywhere and we don't turn anybody away we have been very very great to be able to have uh, supporters out there who can cover for those that maybe have less. Uh, but we don't want to say no to anyone. We have a use for everyone. What's your biggest challenge right now? I would say the biggest challenge is probably casting. Um, it's... It's one of those things that over years, uh, I remember when we used to have auditions of 60 people showing up, and now it becomes much more of a challenge, but we're trying to do season auditions and different things like that to cast the net a bit wider. All right. So if you're interested, go to theater29.org and check it out. That's going to do it for the Up Close Show for today. Sure to join me next week. Until then, drive carefully and God bless. Bye-bye.